Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back messages from the mailbag, messages you out there in the audience have sent into our show account, which, by the way, if you'd like to get in touch, is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, get in touch for any reason at all. If you have feedback on an episode that has uh, aired in the past, if you have uh, corrections, uh, things to add to a topic, suggestions for future topics, or if you just want to share something interesting, email anytime. That's right. And if you want to join the Stuff to Blow Your Mind Discord, well, email us and I'll send you the link. All right. We've got no other preliminary business as far as I know. So, Rob, do you mind if I jump right in with this first message uh, in response to our episodes about animals throwing things? Yeah, go for it. Oh, and humans throwing things, by the way. We we focused entirely on humans in the fourth episode. Yeah, by, by the fourth episode, it had completely evolved. So this first message was from Maya, uh, subject line, The Throwing Madonna. And this email was interesting because we had just finished recording an episode covering exactly the subject Maya raises here when the email came in. So it was certainly a, a, a bullseye of a suggestion. But she had some additional uh, detail and color about this uh, idea from, from William Calvin. So I thought I would read this uh, here on Listener Mail anyway. So Maya writes, hello, Robin Joe. Congratulations on the new baby girl, Joe. I'm sure she will contribute uh, with a ton of new ideas for the show. Children are so weird and interesting. I will skip over this opportunity to go on a, a baby looked at me tangent. Uh, 
Maya goes on, your recent series on animals throwing things brought to mind The Throwing Madonna, a 1983 book by William Calvin, in which he explores many ideas about the evolution of the brain. The essay that lends the book its title is, in Calvin's words, quote, a parody involving maternal heartbeat sounds on the typically male theories of handedness. In this essay, he speculates that mothers would uh, favor carrying their infant children with the left arm, so the kids would purportedly be soothed by her heartbeats. This would leave the right arm free for throwing stones in order to hunt small game and procure her sustenance, and the rest is evolution. On a more serious, although equally stimulating note, Calvin also discusses in a chapter devoted to the relationship between the act of throwing and our huge brains that the left hemisphere, quote, seems to have a specialization for muscle sequencing, not only for hand movement, but for oral facial movements as well. Thus, those hominins that uh, perfected pitching stones, and then a little parenthetical here, quote, action at a distance, one of the better inventions of biological evolution since sex, says Calvin, uh, close parenthetical, via their left hemispheres would also be inadvertently selecting for the evolution of language. Uh, and then she concludes, go for it, octopi. <laughs> <laughs> All the best, Maya. For some reason, we keep coming back to this like, OK, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for the octopus to uh, to get on the path to technological intelligence? And th I feel like the big barrier for me is always their relatively antisocial nature when compared mm -hmm. to primates. So, you know, I, uh, I language, I think, is a big part of that process. And I don't know what kind of biological impetus there is for developing language when you just don't really want to be around or deal with other octopuses. Yeah. What can they say to another octopus that they cannot already say by throwing dirt or rocks at them? Yeah. <laughs> but no reason not to be optimistic. Yeah. A little octo-optimism for the day. Thank you for the email, Maya. All right, this next one comes to us from Carrie. Carrie writes in and says, Rob and Joe, I was surprised that in your Animal Throwing Stuff Part 2 episode, you didn't mention elephants throwing sand, dirt, and mud onto their backs with their trunks. This is a well-documented behavior and is definitely the purposeful throwing of stuff that has been explained as them trying to ward off insects and provide a protection from the sun. The action is not unlike an octopus throwing sand at other octopuses, at least as far as the material being thrown is concerned. Keep up the good work, Carrie. Yes, thanks, Gary. Yeah, I think I, I think I kind of glossed over this detail in discussing the evolution of the ele of elephant tool use as a parasite control and a way of uh, uh, thermoregulation. But yes, this is of course one of the, the the major ways that they use tools in the in in this case often just dirt and sand as a way of covering up that thick elephant skin that again looks so tough to us, but is actually quite sensitive and needs to be protected from parasites and the sun. You know, this email makes me wonder in what ways we're limited by thinking about tools often as like solid fixed form objects, like a tool is maybe a stick or a rock. But why isn't a tool equally constituted by, you know, an amorphous mass of substance like a clump of dirt or a, you know, a, a mass of water? Yeah, so or as we discussed in uh, one of these episodes, um, primate poop, uh, tool or not a tool. 
Um, yeah, and I think in this case, I, I was clearly I was distracted by the prospect of elephants throwing arrows or at least stones and and, and tree limbs, uh, and, and maybe a horse uh, thrown in there as well. Uh, that I I just kind of glossed over dirt and, and sand. It's hard to get into in, in excited about dirt as a, as a as a tool use, but it really is. Now, speaking of elephant tool use, uh, throwing and poop, all of these come <laughs> together in the next email. This is from Mike. Mike says, hi, Joe and Rob. About 25 years ago, my future wife and I went to the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. The elephants there had an outdoor environment that was a half circle with a five foot railing and a waterless moat between them and us. There were three elephants in this area. We noticed that about 25 people were intently watching and wondered why. Then we saw the dung everywhere at our feet. It was spread across the sidewalk area where everyone was standing. One large elephant was standing in front near the edge of the enclosure. Suddenly, he whipped his trunk from between his legs and nailed one of the three peahens that were walking near us. This was amazing. He threw the dung about 35 to 40 feet, and it literally knocked the bird to the ground. It hit with a thud. Perfect shot. Next, he counterclockwise curled the end of his trunk, grabbed some more dung, and hit the woman who was nearest him in the face. She got her arms up and blocked it, but it was accurate. A girl was yelling to her mother on the right side of us to come see the elephant, and he appeared to turn away from her and point toward a couple of peahens who had returned to the area. At that moment, he whipped his trunk to the left and beamed the girl in the waist area. She was startled and took off running. The elephant quickly grabbed more dung and nailed her in the head as she ran toward her mother. Again, Mike says, it was amazing. (laughs) I guess that is amazing, though. I'm sure not what people had in mind for their their trip to the zoo that day. Yeah, I hope everyone was okay. Anyway, Mike says, given this, I suspect you're going to hear a lot about such stories. When you were talking about elephants throwing spears, I thought, with practice and help with technique, absolutely. You didn't talk about what I believe would be the most frightening situation, an elephant throwing something heavy. They are incredibly strong. Combine that with speed and accuracy? Wow. What impressed me most was the accuracy. I got the sense he was having fun, perhaps testing himself. He passed. Thanks. Good show, Mike. Well, Mike, uh, as you're describing this story, I don't know, this sounds to me like more... Uh, consistent throwing accuracy than I had been led to believe elephants were were usually going to be capable of, uh, certainly without training. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think it's too surprising based on, well, I mean, th- we did, we discussed accounts where, where they had been trained to throw darts at balloons, which clearly they have been encouraged to do. But also that is clearly taking advantage of uh, some sort of natural ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we do have those, uh, those clips from the wild of an elephant throwing, uh, for instance, a rock at a rhino, elephant throwing a limb at a, a lady in a, a truck on safari or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they seem to be good shots when they are in the mood to do it. I guess a lot of the examples I'd seen of elephants throwing stuff in the wild, it looked more to me like a eh, not like a, you know, super accurate pitch, but just kind of a mm. toss in, in the general direction of something. Yeah, I guess, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to like what is being emoted by the throwing? Is it mm-hmm. kind of just a general throwing stuff around? Are they, you know, peppering their back with dirt or do they have it in for some peahens? 
that sort of thing? Are they a little disturbed that there's a, a vehicle in their vicinity or a rhino near the watering hole or something to that effect? As for throwing larger um, objects, I, mean, I think we did mention them potentially throwing human beings and war horses and, uh, and tree limbs, and that's plenty big. I would not want anything bigger than that thrown at me by an elephant. And uh, I, I mean, I would assume no, nothing smaller was thrown at me by an elephant either. But anyway, uh, very illuminating. Thank you for the email, Mike. All right, here's another one. This one comes to us from Jerome. Jerome writes in and says, Listening to the first part of the Animals Throwing Things episode, I'm sure it would seem reasonable that certainly highly intelligent animals would throw objects. However, it makes me think of my ball python. When she eats her large rat, frozen and reheated, after constricting the rat, she will then poke her face around the rat in her grasp to try to find the head, since she must swallow the rat snout first in order for it to go down. Sometimes it appears she will get frustrated and throw the rat to the other side of her feeding bin to try to reorient the feeder and try again finding the snout. This is obviously purposeful throwing and only observed in this particular instance. Hope y'all might find this interesting. Jerome. The, yeah, so it sounds like the snake is using throwing as a kind of physical reset button on a behavior. Yeah. The way I'm picturing it, it makes sense. Like, it's not a situation where merely dropping the animal is the most energy-efficient thing to do. Because then the snake potentially has to then reorient its entire body. But if it can just sort of, like, throw the, 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 the rodent to the side, then it perhaps has to use less energy then to get in position to feed again. Yeah. I also, I don't think I realized a ball python had to swallow the rat snout first. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense now that it's it's said to me. I believe this now, now that it's mentioned because I'm just kind of imagining how that that uh, that snake uh, would need to eat the rodent. Yeah, it's more. Um, I want to say aerodynamic. That's not the word. More <laughs> snakeodynamic. Yeah, <laughs> more throatodynamic. <laughs> Digestodynamic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, next message, also about uh, throwing animals. This comes from Jesper. This involves the pronunciation of the uh, names of Swedish places. I apologize for how I'm probably going to get that wrong. But um, Jesper says, listening to your two-part series about throwing, I was reminded of a myth I heard as a kid related to the topic. In my home country, Sweden, you will find tons of lakes. The two largest ones are easily visible on a map situated in the mid-south of the country and named Vanern and Vatern, respectively. If you take a look at the southern Baltic Sea, east of Sweden, you will find the country's largest islands, Oland and Gotland. Fun fact, Oland literally means island land. Okay. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to see that the two lakes and islands have uh, a striking resemblance in shape and size. The version of the myth I heard was about two giants having a throwing contest. One of them picked up a huge part of the earth and threw it into the Baltic Sea, creating Gotland. And when the hole eventually filled up with water, Vanern. The other giant didn't manage to pick up as much material or throw it as far, but it resulted in Vatern and Oland. Hmm. I couldn't find much information about the myth on Google, but I did run into another myth about a Swedish giant throwing things. The giant Vist had been visiting the region between the two largest lakes to attend a party and was on his way home. He picked up a piece of the land and threw it in Vatern to have a patch of land to step on before he continued his journey. This created the lake Lansjön, or the land lake, and the island Visingso, situated in Vatern. Thanks for making my day several days a week. Keep it up. Still looking forward to those episodes about the moons of the solar system's outer planets. Oh, yeah, we did say we would do those. I think I always fear that maybe there's less to say about them, uh, but surely that's not true. 
Yeah. Um, or, and if we have to cobble them together, co- cover more than one's one plan. I mean, the, the way we do approach them in the past too, is we, we discussed a lot of the mythology, the Greek myth- and Roman mythology uh, that, that might be tied up in the naming. Uh, so yeah, there, there's plenty to discuss. We just need to get in a spacey mood. All right, this next one comes to us from Joe the Listener. Uh, Joe the Listener says, Hey guys, thanks for the fun series on throwing animals. When you talked about the meerkats throwing centipedes, I was instantly reminded of my family's backyard chickens. Our chickens prize the tender morsel that is a common garden snail. When they acquire one, a tremendous flurry of activity ensues as they wrestle one another for the delicious treat. One critical aspect of this excitement is extracting the snail from its shell. Typically, the chickens will do this by grabbing the unfortunate mollusk by its head and thwacking it against the ground until the shell breaks. They can and do throw the snails. The jury is still out on whether this is intentional or not, but the throws seem to be preferentially targeted at tree trunks and large rocks, leading credence to my hypothesis that they are being thoughtful about it. I did a bit of research, and this behavior is not uncommonly observed in birds. Song thrushes in particular are known for smashing snails on rocks. The literary reference to the thrush knocking at Smog's door is unmistakable and no doubt of special interest to you both. Oh, okay. This is interesting. This is kind of like what I used to observe my dog doing, throwing the uh, the puzzle, you know, treat containing toy up against the wall or just kind of tossing it in general to see if he can get the thing out from the middle. Ah, you should have brought that up when we were talking about Airbud. I did. We talked about it. You do did you we talk about this? this? Yeah. No, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> we recorded this just the other day. I know. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking ahead in the notes. I must have uh, blanked on that. Oh, that's okay. okay. I know how that feels, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a ball. It wasn't quite basketball, but <laughs> but still, okay. Um, that now, the, and the, you know, I also am blanking on this particular part of The Hobbit. I don't remember um, the thrush knocking at Smog's door. I don't either, actually. What? What? Okay, so I'm just going to Google it. Okay, I'd totally forgotten about this plot detail, but uh, uh, a quick Google search suggests that the thrush is significant in The Hobbit in helping the party, like Bilbo and the and the dwarves, find the entrance or find out how to open the entrance to uh, the, what's it, the Misty Mountain or, or the Lonely Mountain, the Smog's Cavern, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because the thrush is throwing a snail against the door of the cavern to try to break it, I guess, to get the snail out. Uh, but this gives them some kind of indication of how the door works. Oh, okay. All right. That does sound faintly familiar now. Sorry to disappoint you, listener Joe. I'm, I'm sure you expected <laughs> us to get that reference right away. Let's see. Should we finish off with a couple of messages about Weird House Cinema? Well, I'll do this one from Pamela. Pamela says, Hi, Joe and Robert. Even though it was over 40 years ago, I absolutely remember the advance promos for Scanners because they told nothing about the movie. It was a commercial that mostly showed an audience viewing the movie with tiny clips and the 10 seconds and you feel the pain voiceover. The audience reaction was dramatic and profound, to say the least. (laughs) And Pamela says, a group of my teen friends and I had to see this uh, the second it hit town. And we did. 
holy uh, a bunch of let's see dollar signs ampersand even i think a euro sign in there so this is this is european swearing okay. uh <laughs> money's worth and bragging rights and spoiler rights hey we were teenagers the theater shouldn't have even let us in technically i have attached a link to the tv spot that worked so well on us uh maybe we can play a little bit of the audio of this tv spot here yeah let's play a little bit uh, at least from the beginning where you where they establish the audience you are watching the live filming of a theater audience reaction to scenes from the motion picture scanners 10 seconds the pain begins 15 seconds you can't breathe 20 seconds you explode experience the terrifying power of scanners Anyway, Pamela says, love everything you guys do. Looking forward to Weird House number 100, Pamela. Uh, This is a great spot because it's kind of like William Castle, except without tasing the audience. It's just letting the movie actually do what William Castle was always suggesting it would do. You know, have people like screaming in the aisles and nearly vomiting in in their seats. This trailer does a great job of, first of all, implying that this is a, a, a spectacle that you need to behold and you need to view it communally. You need to be a part of the, the, the movie going uh, uh, public in order to fully appreciate this, which is sound. That's a, a sound argument, I think, for going to the movies in general. Uh, but then it's kind of implies that your head might blow up while watching the film, too. Like they don't tell you that's not going to happen and they kind of imply that it will. Yeah. And that we don't get enough of today in trailers. Like nobody's saying if you sat and watched all of Avatar 2, your skin will turn blue. Like, <laughs> the, the, the voice of God isn't telling us that. They're not, they're not daring us to enter the theater anymore. Yeah. It's really a shame. I, I do like the, the brand of movie marketing that explicitly says this film will harm you. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly movies today still have vast potential to harm. So <laughs> there's a lot yeah. to warn about. All right, here's one more. This one comes to us from Eric via our Discord. Uh, Eric says, so I recently watched The Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. It was enjoyable enough, but the standout was the lead. He was absolutely great. I looked him up and found out it was Paul Nashi, who I had never heard of. Anyways, fast forward to today and continuing my catch up of the cast by uh, the podcast uh, by listening to uh, the Weird House Cinema episode Horror Rises from the Tomb. I was delighted to hear this man has a dozen other werewolf movies under his belt. (laughs) Definitely looking to add more of his films to my watch list, not to mention Horror Rises and also Assignment Terror. Still need to listen to this episode. Eric. I got to say, I was surprised by this message because I did not expect we would get pre-existing Paul Nashi fans coming in on our episodes. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to spread the gospel of Paul Nashi, uh, but I mean, he does—he does he already has a following. But it was nice to hear from someone who had encountered him uh, in, in the wild, as it were. And I also agree with Eric. It is inherently comforting to know that the strategic reserves of Paul Nashi films is well stocked. Um, you know, there's there's so much out there to explore. It's nice on one level. You know, you want to watch all the movies you want to watch, uh, especially the you know older films. Having a backlog of films that 
you you won't have time to watch all of them. I mean, that can be that can get you down, I guess. But also, it's nice to know that you have all that untapped potential. So um, as far as Weird House goes, it's it's too soon to start thinking about uh, the next Paul Nashy movie. But I will say one I'm very interested in is 1973's Hunchback of the Morgue, in which you guessed it, Paul Nashy plays a hunchback who works in a morgue. Is he also a werewolf? No, I don't think he's a werewolf in this one. He's oh. just a hunchback who falls in love with a dying woman. Look at my range. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and close the mailbag then for another day. But we'll be back next week. We have messages we didn't even get to in this one, and I'm, I'm sure more will come in. So, so keep it coming if you have thoughts on past episodes, current episodes, potential future episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, of Weird House Cinema, of other listener mail episodes, of Artifact or Monster Fact episodes. Write in. We would love to hear from you. In the meantime, we'll just remind you, yeah, Listener Mail comes out every Monday. Core episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind on Tuesday and Thursday. Monster Factor Artifact on Wednesday. And on Friday, we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film on Weird House Cinema. Huge thanks to our audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, to share something interesting, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.